All right, welcome back to Formate Arbitration. And this is the Saturday edition of Formate Arbitration. I'm heading out to my regional training tomorrow morning, and I wouldn't have time to do uh, an episode, so I'm going to do it on Saturday night. And we're going to finish up our episodes on escalated monetary awards, okay? And what we need to do to support our case file. I always talk about selling something to the arbitrator. We have to, that, that starts with our contentions, with our case file. That way, when we get into arbitration, we can sell the arbitrator on our position. So the case file, the contentions, that's the most important part of any grievance. More important than the advocate, more important than anything else is our contentions. Because if we make good contentions, then it doesn't matter who goes in there and shows it to the arbitrator, they're going to buy it. So great contentions make great advocates, all right? So today we're going to talk about what we need in the case file to support an escalated monetary award. I see a lot of uh, decisions being put on social media where different areas, cities, regions are winning arbitration sites on cease and desist and escalated monetary awards, and that's fantastic. Uh, arbitration is the, is the big show. So anytime you can win one, that's great. But let's not forget, when we get into arbitration, in a contract case, we're first. We go first. In discipline case, management goes first because it's their burden. Contract case, we go first. So we have to be overwhelming to me because management gets to go last. They get the last say. So in their closing, when we put in five sites, they're going to put in five sites to support their position. So we have to be overwhelming, so much so that when the arbitrator hears their position, he's like, that, make, you know, that has little effect on me. That's how we have to be, and we do that through the case file, okay? So today we're going to talk about what we need in the case file to support an escalated monetary award. Uh, last episode, I kind of talked about where management came from with the uh, status quo ante, you know, kind of some issue stuff read some arbitrator sites, uh, what we're going to need. But today is solely on what we're going to need to support the file. When you talk about escalated monetary awards, when you talk about violations of cease and desist orders, so much so that it's become egregious, now we're going to ask for an escalated monetary award. One of the most important things we're going to put in the case file is M document 1517. Okay, one of the most important things is M document 1517. It's the Donahoe letter. And if you filed a lot of non-compliance, you, you, you could probably quote 1517 verbatim. But this is what it says, and this is why it's important. And this is the angle we need to go at when we get in arbitration, advocates, formal A's, shop stewards even. 1517. And you have, say you have informal step A resolutions, formal step A resolutions, B team, maybe some pre-arbs, arbitrator's decisions, all town management to cease and desist, future violations will result in an escalated monetary award or even forgetting an escalated monetary award. Because management will always say, hey, look, letter warnings, they, you know, those aren't precedent setting. Uh, formal A's, those aren't precedent setting, even though we talked about that a little bit last week, unless the language says they are. But listen to this language, and here's how we're going to get them on the letter warnings and formal A's, okay? M1517, this is what it says. 
headquarters is currently responding to union concerns that some field officers are failing to comply with grievance settlements and arbitration awards. Grievance settlements. Okay. Is something that we settle at the informal step A, is that a grievance settlement? Well, sure it is. Absolutely it is. If I tell you to cease and desist at the informal step A level and I sign that, that's a grievance settlement. It's telling you what? To stop and don't do it anymore. So it says here, failing to comply with grievance settlements and arbitration awards. While all managers are aware that settlements reached in any stage of the grievance arbitration procedure are final and binding, I want to reiterate our policy on this subject. There we go again. While all managers are aware that settlements reached in any stage of the grievance arbitration procedure are final and binding. Is an informal step A, is that part of the grievance arbitration procedure? That's the first step, right? Of the grievance procedure is the informal step A. So what does 1517 say? Well, all managers are aware that settlements reached in any stage of the grievance arbitration procedure are final and binding. Again, acknowledging the importance of every step. I want to reiterate our policy on this subject. Compliance with arbitration awards and grievance settlements is not optional. Again, informal step A, when you go into that meeting and management says, yeah, I agree, we'll cease and desist, violate and whatever. That is a grievance settlement. And this is saying compliance with those is not optional. So in arbitration, when you go in there and management's advocate asks your form, informal, well, read this language right here in, in uh, Article 15. These are not precedent setting, are they? No, ma'am, they're not. Okay. But yet you have them in the file. Yes, ma'am, I do. And so when it comes time for redirect, what is your advocate going to say? Hey, go to page such and such of the file. Let's look at 1517. And let's read this to the arbitrator. And you're going to read those things. And when you get to that language, he's going to say, is this a grievance settlement? Yes, it is. And what does 1517 say about it? It's not optional to comply with it. Okay. Is this part of the grievance arbitration procedure? Yes, it is. How so? Well, it's the very first step of the grievance arbitration procedure. So is that covered under 1517? Yes, it is. Okay. That's what we're going to do. It goes on, no manager or supervisor has the authority to ignore or override an arbitrator's award or a signed grievance settlement. Okay, again, at the informal step A level, when you have an informal step A settlement, is that a signed grievance settlement? Yes, it is. Is that covered under 1517? Yes, it is. Again, these are how we're going to get informal step A resolutions into the file and show an arbitrator, look, they're bound by that decision. 1517 says it's a binding decision. It goes on. Steps to comply with arbitration awards and grievance settlements should be taken in a timely manner to avoid the perception of noncompliance. And those steps should be documented. Please ensure that all managers and supervisors in your area are aware of this policy and their responsibility to implement arbitration awards and grievance settlements in a timely manner. Please ensure that all managers and supervisors. 
Who do I meet with at the informal step A? Supervisors, right? In accordance with Article 15, must meet with the employee's immediate supervisor, right? So that's 1517. It's one of the most powerful things we can put in our contentions and in our issue is 1517. It incorporates everything that we do from the informal, formal, B-team, pre-arb, and arbitration. Every single settlement that we have, 1517, incorporates all of those and tells the arbitrator what? All of these are binding. Management is bound by all of these. Why? Because they are signed grievance settlements. So when you go into a hearing, again, and management says, Mr. Arbitrator, informal step A resolutions are not binding. No, sir. No, sir. They're wrong. Article 15 language says what it says, but 1517 says what? They're bound by those. Okay? So make sure any settlement that you have on a certain violation, whether it be Article 8, 17, and 31, anything that you have numerous cease and desists on at any level, make sure we're putting 1517 in there. Okay? That way an advocate, when he gets into hearing, he can dispel all of those contentions by management about informal step A resolutions, formal step A resolutions, okay? I'm going to talk about Lake Charles, and I would, I would recommend anybody, anybody that deals with noncompliance or is dealing with noncompliance, anybody that's dealing with that, I would ask that you look at Lake Charles' decision, not because they're mine. I was the advocate for all of these. But you will see the arbitrators flat out smash management in Lake Charles. Some of the best language you'll ever use in noncompliance cases will come out of Lake Charles. Uh, like I said, and I, I was wrong last week when I said I, when I went there it was $250. It had already reached that level of $250. There was an arbitration before I got there. It was in front of arbitrator Halter. And he denied the union's grievance on... It really is a technicality. Uh, it had nothing to do with the advocate. The advocate that did it is legendary uh, in our region. Uh, he doesn't do them anymore, but this guy was legendary, so it had nothing to do with him. But when we went forward, we didn't have the overtime desired list in the case file for some reason. And so the arbitrator denied the grievance based on that alone, the overtime desired list. So that tells you the importance of putting everything in the file. <laughs> but he denied this grievance based on that. So I get assigned to the next one and go down there. So we're asking at this time for $500. Now, when, when you look for somebody to do something, professionals, when you look for if you've gotten shot here in my city, if you're shot, you want to go to General Hospital. Why is that? Because they get hundreds of them a night. And they, that place, any, any shootings, you're pretty much going to go to General Hospital. So those doctors know their specialty is gunshots. Gunshot wounds. That's what they deal with mostly is gunshots. So if I'm shot, I'm going to tell them, take me to General Hospital. Because that's what they deal with. If I need something done on my roof, I'm going to go get a roofer. I'm not going to go get a plumber. Right? If I need something done on my car, 
I'm not going to go get a man who makes donuts for a living. I'm going to go to a man who works on cars for a living. If I have an Article 8 non-compliance violation, I'm going to go to A.J. Bro <laughs> in Lake Charles. Why? I guarantee he's dealt with it more than anybody else in the country. I'll, I'll put my job on it. If I've got an Article 8 non-compliance issue, I'm going to A.J. Bro. He is the president of Lake Charles. And he's dealt with these things more than anybody else, I guarantee it. He's an expert at it. That's what he does. He's an expert at non-compliance. So when I get down there, he made my job extremely easy. Very easy. But I would recommend that everybody get these sites and read them. If you're dealing with non-compliance, if you're dealing with an escalated monetary award, I would recommend these for reading. And I would read them a lot. And it's going to help you with your issue. It's going to help you with your remedy. The language in there is second to none as far as escalated monetary awards and what arbitrators consider to be acceptable as far as an escalated monetary award. But here's the decisions. In 2014, I went down there three times. I went to Lake Charles three times in 2014. And here's the decisions. The C number 31146. C, and I'll put these up. C number 31146. That's 2014. That's the first time I went down there. Then I went down there again in 2014. It's 31269. C31269. Those are both in front of arbitrator Lawrence Roberts. Then I go down there again in 2014 in front of arbitrator Louise Wolitz. And that's C number 31620. 31620. Okay, so I go down there three times. We asked for $1,000 from the 250. Arbitrator Roberts says, I'm not going to do that, but I'll give you 500 per carrier. We go down there again, we get the 500 again. We go down there again, and we get the 500 again. Then I go down there in 2017, three times. Three times in 2017. Now, I went down there more, but they pre-arbed them at the doorstep. Uh, before we could get in there, they pre-arbed them, so I had to come back home. But three times I went to arbitration in 2017, and here's those numbers. It's 33023A and B. 33023A and B. Okay? And those are in front of arbitrator Lawrence Roberts. Uh, it's one site, but it was two different uh, cases. Okay? And then I went down there again in front of arbitrator Louise Wolitz. In 27, it's 32792, 32792. And I'm going to read a little bit from these decisions, okay? But it went from 500, ended up being $1,000. And, of course, management is jumping around like their hair's on fire over these $1,000. Matter of fact, I went down there the first time in front of uh, Roberts, and they sent a labor specialist from Texas in there against me. And she's raising all these new arguments, and she really pissed the arbitrator off, big time. He was he was not happy, uh, and they lost that one. The second time I went down there, the area labor manager, he came in, and his TA was the HR 
manager for the area. So they're trying to intimidate the arbitrator. They're bringing in the area labor manager, the head honcho for the area, and the head honcho for HR, the one who signs the arbitrator's checks. And she told him that. Uh, he's like, your name is uh, familiar to me. She's like, yeah, I sign your check. That's exactly how she said it. So they're trying to intimidate the arbitrator. They lost that one. And uh, it was that one was funny because when I went in there, this uh, area labor manager, he comes up to him and he puts his arm around me. Corey Walton. I said, yes, sir. He's like, we went to training together. I said, no, sir. No, sir, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, we did. He said, we sure did. I said, I've never seen you before. He said, no, we went to train together with this lady comes. I think her name was Bertha Brumfeld. I think that was her name. That sounds familiar. Maybe that's not. But she comes up and he's like, Miss Brumfeld, this is Corey. Didn't we go to training with him? We sure did. I said, I don't know either one of you people. And they're like, yeah, we went to training together. I said, what's your name? He said, my name is so-and-so. And I said, ma'am, what's your name? My name is so-and-so. I said, never heard of you. So I've never heard of either one of you. So I've never seen you before. And uh, so that's how it started out. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's odd as hell. But uh, anyway, they lost. So then we come back in front of arbitrator Wolitz. They lost again. And every time we go down there, they lose. I want to read you some of this language. And it was kind of what I was talking about this last episode about just stop. Just stop doing it. And I promise you we won't be down here anymore. But this is Arbitrator Roberts' decision. It's 33023 A and B. 33023 A and B. I'm going to screw that up this whole time. I'm going to start on page six. And here's, uh, I believe this is management's position. And here's what they say in their opening. As, and as mentioned by the service, management each and every day fulfills their obligations. Furthermore, the service contradicts a union assertion that each and every letter carrier at Lake Charles was not harmed. Remember we talked about that? In the opinion of the employer advocate, Article 8 violations will continue to occur. It is the view of the management these violations will always occur, and that is the reason the party's agreement defines the remedy. Management contends the remedies requested by the union in these cases are not right. Furthermore, the agency insists the union simply refuses to settle these cases at the lower level of the grievance procedure. Now here's something that we have going on in my installation now, where the formal A from management has now started contending that very thing. Look, we don't agree to a cease and desist on Article 8 because there will always be Article 8 violations. They're always going to happen. That's exactly what they're saying. Look, we're not going to agree to a cease and desist because we're not going to stop. That's their contention. And I'm waiting for one of them getting the hearing. But this is their contention. It is a view of the management these violations will always occur. So in my, in my closing... I read that to the arbitrator out of management's opening. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, listen to this now. This is how management feels. They're always going to occur. So I just put it down, took my glasses off. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I said, why in the hell are you here? 
Why am I here? Why are they here? Hell, if they're always going to occur, then let's just pack it up and go on home. I didn't know that. I thought they'd been told to stop and don't do it anymore. I thought that was why we were here. But obviously that doesn't matter because manager just told you, doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you award. It's always going to happen. Let's just deal with it. What if I just steal something every day? Gore, you stole this back. Yeah, yeah, but it's always going to happen. Don't worry about it. Well, you've been told to stop. Yeah, I know it. I've been told to stop it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to steal something every day. That's what they're saying. It's always going to happen. Article 8 violations will always happen. Oh, shit. Well, I got 82 cease and desist. Let's just throw those away then. I didn't realize that was what we are going to say today. They're always going to happen. Y'all should have said that at the very beginning. We would have wasted all this time. But anyway, that's what they said. And it goes on. It is the claim of the agency. The union has taken bits and pieces out of the various cases since 2007. Now, this is 2014 now, remember. In order to assemble their argument today. And accordingly to the uh, employer, this is simply improper as it does not provide a true representation. And that's where I told y'all that no matter how many B-team decisions are in the file, advocates, read them all. Read every single one of them because that's what I did. I read every single one of them. I went back to 2007, and me and AJ sat there all day in arbitration from 2007 to 14. What does this one say? Cease and desist. Go to this page. What does this one say? Cease and desist. What does this one say? Cease and desist. (laughs) Can you imagine 80 of them? But we wanted to be overwhelming. We wanted to be overwhelming to management. And that's what we did. So that's the reason you put everything in the file. Put every decision you've ever had in the file. Every one of them. That's how we're going to support the case file, okay? They go on. The agency claims there is no monetary harm to support what the union is asking for here today. And the employer points out the violation in the second case equaled approximately $3,000, but the requested remedy is 43 times that amount. So we're asking for a lot of money. And here's the arbitrator. And this is why I like this language. And I think that y'all should read these and you can build your contentions off of them or even cite these in your contentions. This way say, however, I do agree with the union in that the case file defines a clear track record of ritualistic and habitual violations of the Article 8.5 language by local management regarding the assignment of overtime. In fact, the employer advocate went as far to state that Article 8.5 violations will continue to occur. So he's, he's blasting her on it. I disagree with such reasoning. It is beyond my understanding the employer would emphatically predict that violations continue to take place here and after and into the future. So in my closing, I beat that to death, and here he is in the decision. He's talking about it. When he says, I agree with this such reasoning, it is beyond my understanding. You don't ever want an arbitrator to say that about you. <laughs> the language of Article 8.5 is straightforward. I realize that mistakes occur, and when that does happen, overtime assignments are made in error. In error. However, those occasions should be the exception rather than ritualistic, habitual, 
and seemingly predictable. Then he cites arbitrator Louise Wolitz, and this is the this Roberts case is uh, the 2017 case. And uh, Wallace is right before this one. That great language I read to y'all last week out of her decision, he cites that language that I read. Then he says this, I agree in total with arbitrator Wolitz. Her well-written analysis is directly on point with both cases here today. And for the reasoning she sets forth above, I disagree with management's rationale, the union seeking a $1,000 resolution for a one-hour violation as being absurd. Y'all remember when I told you that if one carrier was assigned 30 minutes off the assignment, every carrier in the station got $1,000? This one is one hour. A one-hour violation. One carrier, not on the list, worked one hour off of assignment, and every carrier in the station got $1,000. $32,000 because one hour was worked off assignment. Unbelievable. In my considered opinion, the failure to respect cease and desist orders without any regard to the escalating remedies is incongruous to the spirit and intent of not only the national agreement itself, but also each and every member of that Lake Charles bargaining unit. In my considered opinion, these escalating remedies should continue to intensify up until the time Lake Charles management opts to ritualistically and habitually follow that unambiguous Article 5 language. What about that? In my considered opinion, these escalating remedies should continue to intensify. Mercy me. That's devastating. Let's go to page 17 of his decision. He writes this. In summation, I would like to reiterate an important point made by arbitrator Wolitz. Until such time that Article 8 violations subside at this Lake Charles installation, the union's only defense is a continual escalating scale in the form of a punitive award. In my view, this is one of the very few times that I would condone an escalating scale relative to a punitive award. The union is required to perform the work as assigned and then grieve later, and I credit the union in their following of that protocol. Damning. That's damning. And that's what we said in our closing. This is our only recourse. We have nowhere else to go. And I stopped again. And I looked at labor. I said, what would you have us do? What would you have us do? I looked at the arbitrator. I said, what would you have us do, arbitrator Roberts? What are we supposed to do? Whatever we're supposed to do, you tell us in your decision. Because we don't know any longer. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We come here over and over and over again, 82 times over. And where are we at? What do we do? Help us out and tell us. Well, he just did. He just told us. You're going to keep getting an escalated monetary award against that ass if you don't stop. And he condoned it. Let's talk about Arbitrator Wallace's decision. Again, I hate reading to you, but if you're dealing with an escalated monetary award or you're fixing to start dealing with an escalated monetary award, we've got a handful of cease and desist, regardless of what level they're at. We've got a handful of them, and you're thinking, all right, it's time that I'm going to start asking for an escalated monetary award. These sites will help you tremendously 
not only are they done by, to me, the greatest non-compliance shop steward in the country, and A.J. Bro, but the issue statements, and I read them to you, are on point. And if you're wondering, how do I formulate an issue on an escalated monetary award? If you're a new steward, you may have never dealt with that before. I'm going to read these to you. Um, and I put the site, like I said, I put the numbers in there. That way you can read them yourself. Copy AJ's issue. They're perfect. The remedy, you're not going to get $1,000 off the jump. I mean, you see, these have been going on since 2007. But you got to start somewhere. So get his issues off of there. Use those. He's an expert among experts at the Escalated Monetary Award. I've never seen anything like it in my time. Now, y'all may have some in your area that's more than that. I don't know. But to me, $1,000, if I'm... If I work off assignment 20 minutes, every care gets $1,000? Brother, this man right here has got it going on. But anyway, get these sites that I, that I told you about and read them. Read the hell out of them. Read them and read them and read them and get that language down. Read management's opening statements, you know, management's position. Read those. Familiarize yourself with where they're going, what they're saying. Read... Uh, our opening position, where we're saying, what we're saying, what, how we're combating those things, okay? Uh, do those. It'll give you some arguments. It'll help you know where management's going to go after it leaves the informal, because informal, A, they're not going to do anything. It'll help you know what they're going to do later, okay? So you can put in your file things that are already going to beat their position. And then your formal A will come on on top of that, and when he meets at a formal A and they have something else, he can address that, but... Informals, do your job. That's what we're supposed to do. And we're going to do it. This is Arbitrator Louise Wolitz, another one in Lake Charles. C32792. 32792. And I'm going to start on page 19. It was the same arguments. Same arguments by management. Here's, here's what she says. This is her discussion. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Taking full account of the history in Lake Charles of Article 8 violations, DRT cease and desist decisions, pre-arbitration decisions, and arbitration decisions discussed above, and the cease and desist orders issued by DRT teams, settlement agreements, and arbitrators, we find the continued violation of the clear provisions of Article 8, Section 5 by Lake Charles Management egregious, knowing, deliberate, and inexplicable. That's tough. The decisions by DRT teams, pre-arbitration settlements, negotiators, and arbitrators are made to be read, studied, understood, and complied with. And I use that to this day in my closing. I just stole it from her. In my closing, I use that to this day. I just used it as my own. When she says the DRT, the decisions by DRT teams, pre-arbitration settlement negotiators, and arbitrators are made to be read, studied, understood, and complied with. Some of the best language you'll ever read. Yet in the case before us, Lake Charles Management has once again acted as though those decisions have never been rendered. <laughs> this is a shocking violation, not only of Article 8 and Article 15, but of management's clear responsibilities under the national agreement. In this case, management acknowledges the clear violation 
yet seems to shrug it off. Management's position seems to be that its responsibility is to get the mail delivered safely, which surely is correct, and not to pay serious attention to contractual constraints on scheduling. Management is willing to pay the make-hold penalties attached to proceeding this way, but not any penalties for repeated contractual violations, violations of cease and desist orders, and violations of the rights of the letter carriers under the national agreement. In doing so, management violates its responsibilities to live up to the bargains it made in collective bargaining and violates its obligation to the workers under the national agreement. It weakens the foundation and meaning of a collective bargaining relationship with mutual rights and responsibilities, among the most important of which is living up to its commitments and respecting its agreements, settlements, and arbitration awards. Mercy. She goes on. We are not comfortable with ordering compensatory payments to workers of $1,000 each for management's continued violation of the same provisions and of all the agreements to cease and desist this violation. However, it is management that has the power to prevent such an award. Management can prevent such an award simply by living up to its responsibilities under the collective bargaining agreement. All it has to do is to prioritize scheduling accordance to the requirements of Article 8, Section 5, regardless of any difficulty or inconvenience that might entail. That is a responsibility equal to the responsibility in getting the mail delivered safely and timely. The union has few means with which to force management to adhere to its responsibilities, responsibilities to which it has repeatedly agreed. The union's remedy is raising the cost of failing to comply to an amount that will be noticed so that the failure to comply with Article 8, Section 5 and Article 15 will cease. It is an amount that management cannot responsibly shrug off. (laughs) It is the only weapon the union has to enforce its rights under the collective bargaining agreement. Amounts from $300 to $900 have failed to get management's attention and compliance. Orders to cease and desist and warnings of escalating remedies have also failed to get management's attention and compliance. The $1,000 is not meant to be punitive, but to be compensatory and to achieve a cessation of the repeated failure to comply. It is an extraordinary remedy for extraordinary circumstances, egregious, repeated violations of a clear provision and repeated cease and desist agreements and orders. Management can put an end to escalated remedies by complying with its obligations under the national agreement. You want to talk about some language? You want to talk about some arbitrators that are fed up? That's it. That's it. If you're dealing with cease and desist and management continues to change the game, you know, here in our our installation, they've just come in and they said, you know what, we're just not going to agree to a cease and desist anymore. Uh, I got sent a decision the other day. It was the same thing. Management was paying this monetary award, and they just come into the meeting and say, hey, not only we're we not going to pay this monetary award anymore, we're not going to agree to a cease and desist. That's what they said. So they sent it to arbitration. You know what the arbitrator said? Yeah, you're going to pay it, and you're going to cease and desist. <laughs> Arbitrators don't care. What's right is right. That's the reason we support our position through our contentions and our case file. 
That's the reason we put the things in the case file to support our request for an escalated monetary award. Arbitrators won't tolerate it. Most of them. They won't tolerate it. Let's look at some, some issues. Okay, I'll read them to you. But when you get the sites, when you get the sites, they're going to be in there. Well, let's look at them. The union's initial issue statement in this grievance was, one, did management violate Article 8 of the National Agreement when management forced city carriers not on OTDL and city carriers on the work assignment list to work overtime on routes not assigned to them during the week of 4-6-2016 to 4-22-2016 when there are 12-hour list carriers and CCAs available to work up to 12 hours and are preventing from working? If yes, then what is the proper remedy? Number two, did management violate Article 15 via 19 of the National Agreement by failing to abide by previous arbitration, pre-arbitrations, and DRT cease and desist decisions on violating? She, she did that wrong. If yes, then what is the proper remedy? Number three, did management viola- violate Article 41? That's that language I was talking about last week, right, where management talks about opting. Via 19, the National Agreement, by failing to abide by previous arbitration, pre-arbitrations, and DRT cease and desist decisions on violating Article 8. Number four, did management violate M1517? Remember, I just read that to you. By failing to abide by to previous arbitrations, pre-arbitrations, and DRT cease and desist decisions on violating Article 8. And all of them say, if yes, then what is the proper remedy? And so that is the issue that he brings forward in all of them. And so if you're wondering what should my issue be, those are perfect. Those are perfect issues for you. If you're wondering, you know, as a new steward, you're, you're looking at this handful of cease and desist. What should I do now? Right there. Right there. That's for you. Okay. Uh, that's a good issue. Uh, and then your remedy. Here's the remedy. The remedy sought by the union as follows. And here's what she states. Management and the Lake Charles installation shall cease and desist from future violations of Article 8, Section 5 of the National Agreement. Management and the Lake Charles installation shall cease and desist from future violations of Article 15 of the National Agreement and adhere to Step B team pre-arbitrations and arbitration settlements. Management and the Lake Charles installation shall cease and desist from future violations of M1517 and adhere to Step B team pre-arbitrations and arbitration settlements. Let me talk about 1517 again a little bit. Management is so tired of us using 1517 against them. What they've started doing in my installation, and I don't know if they do it in yours, but they've now started contending we can't violate 1517. That's an internal email. That's an internal memo. Has nothing to do with, it's not supposed to have gotten out to anybody. It's an internal memo. Therefore, it cannot be violated. That's what they're saying. So in every decision that you have showing management violated 1517, point that out. Point that out when management says that. So that's what JB's having to do here in this installation because our knucklehead counterparts, who are some of the dumbest individuals I've ever met in my life, his counterpart at the Formula is the dumbest human being on the planet. JB constantly schools him. Our B-team person here, dumbest individual on the planet. They come up with the dumbest arguments I've ever heard. And this is one of them. Hey, 1517, we can't violate that. That's an internal memo. 
Okay. So get those, all the decisions that you have when they make that contention and show this B team member, the very one that's doing this, or this formal A, the very one who's saying this, has 45 decisions prior to this saying they violated 15, 17, and they'll cease and desist doing it. And now all of a sudden it's an internal memo. There's your remedy. Then they have, of course, the hours that the ODL should have worked, asking them to be compensated. Uh, and the ones that were forced to work, they were given the opportunity for admin or paid. Uh, the CCAs were paid up to 12 hours. Uh, and then she says that the following cares, including CCAs, be awarded $1,000 each for management's noncompliance and repeated blatant violations of Article 8, 15, and 15, 17. And there's 32 carriers on there getting that $1,000. So there's your an issue, okay? And there's your remedy. New stewards, there you go. If you're wondering about it, uh, get those sites. And re there's a lot of great sites. These are not the only great ones, but I did these, so I know what they say. And I know that this very good language. Get those sites. Management comes in with all the same arguments, and the arbitrators, they dispel all of those, okay? Let's, let's keep on. Article 15. Where does it say that uh, management has to abide by anything? When we say that management violate Article 15, I thought 15 was a grievance procedure. Informal, formal, B-team, arbitration. What's that got to do with anything? Well, I put Article 15. It does show that B-teams are precedent setting, uh, that formal A's can be precedent setting. talks about informals. But the language you're looking for is 15.3a. Okay, 15.3a. Some people put in the issue statement Article 15, and some people specifically state 15.3a. Either one is fine. I just put all of 15 because I want the arbitrator to see if they've not, if they have no idea what a B team is. It's their first case. B team decision sets precedent. Okay, so you can go and you say, hey, these 47 B team decisions. They all set precedence in this installation, all right? And they're not abiding by it. But anyway, 15.3a, this will be in your issue statement as well, okay? The parties expect that good faith observance by their respective representatives of the principles and procedures set forth above will result in resolution of substantially all grievances initiated hereunder at the lowest possible step and recognize their obligation to achieve that end. At each step of the process, the parties are required to jointly review the Joint Contract Administration Manual. So that's what you're talking about. The parties expect that good faith observance by the respective representatives of the principles and procedures set forth above will result in resolution of substantially all grievances initiated hereunder at the lowest possible step and recognize their obligations to achieve that end. So if you're continuing to send up decisions where you've been told to cease and desist, you're not doing your job management you're not doing your job they've told you to cease and desist over and over and over again everybody has and we're still sending these forward as a violation of 153a because you're not bargaining in good faith with us so what else are we going to put in the file we got 153a put that language in there 1517 put that language in there right there's a template handed out by national and it is an escalated monetary award template. All right. And it's got several national arbitrators awards in it. I'm not going to read all of this. It's a bunch. 
but it is a fantastic template. If you contact me, I will send you this template, but I'm not going to read this because it'll be 20 minutes of me reading to you. I'm not going to do it, but I will give you a Cliff Notes version of it, okay? But if you want it and the sites that go along with it, and it's also 1517, I had uh, a buddy of mine send it to me for this episode, but it talks about escalated monetary awards and the arbitrator's authority to grant us an escalated monetary award, okay? All the national arbitrator's decisions. Uh, it talks about those and it has those included. And the very first of it says, the dispute in this case centers on the remedy for repeated willful violations of the same contract provisions. After prior grievances have been settled, instructing management to comply with that provisions. Management asserts there can be no other remedy than that which makes the affected employees whole for demonstrated losses suffered as a result of the violation. And then they go on a great deal about the arbitrator's authority. They talk about the United Steelworkers of America. That's M document 1787. Arbitrator Gamzer, National Arbitrator Gamzer. National Arbitrator Neil Bernstein, 153A. I just read that to you. That's in here. Um, USPS Policy Letter 1517, it addresses that. Uh, National Labor Relations Act, it talks about those things. Uh, talks about management, their arguments that I've been telling you all about. It goes over those. Uh, and, and it's funny because it talks about uh, page 4117 provides the party's understanding on the issue where it talks about the opting. And it even says that management in the instant case flatly rejects this rationale, arguing that because it appears in the discussion on opting, the concept of an additional remedy for willful repetitive violation only applies to Article 41 opting issues. You know, I talked about that on my last episode. So they've even put that in their uh, little template here. Because management tries to say that so much. They got sight from National Arbitrator Rithrin Mittenthal. All of this is very good. I would put this in my, my contentions. Again, you get it from National, and it's, and it's uh, their template on escalated monetary awards. You can probably call your business agent and get that. I would have that in my contentions, okay? Even if management doesn't make that argument at the informal and formal, because... The B team or the advocate's going to make that argument, even though it's new. Most importantly, y'all remember my episode, I talked about the Kingsport decision. Put that in your file. The Roberts decision out of Kingsport was C34197. 34197. Remember that one? And then M document 1967. That's that court's ruling about where the management tried to overturn Arbitrator Roberts' decision, 1967, M1967. Put that in your contentions, okay? And that is great language for the arbitrator. So there's you an episode on what we need in the file to support our position, okay? Get your issue right. Then you're going to put every decision that you have, every, every settlement that you have, Get it and put it in the file. All of them. If you've got a hundred, put them in the file. I want to sit a file in front of an arbitrator and they're going to say, what in the hell is that? This is management refusing to do what they've been told to do. That's what this is. 
All of the decisions go in there. Okay, stewards? Get you some contentions. That's a good template that uh, National has. Again, if you reach out to me, I'll send it to you. It's an email. I'll email it to you. It has uh, all those arbitrator sites in it, 15, 17, and those contentions there. I'll send all those to you. And you just put those in your file, those contentions. Use those, and you can testify to those contentions. Make sure your remedy is right. Make sure your remedy is right. We're, we're asking for the appropriate things, okay? If it's your first time going for an uh, escalated monetary award, don't ask for $400, $500. You're not going to get it. Don't do that. If you don't start out at 20 30 40 like I said last time, I, I, I went for 50 because I was angry. And luckily I got it. But, you know, somewhere around that area, something an arbitrator can look at and, and he can chew on that and swallow it pretty easily, okay? So your issue, we went over that a little bit. What to put in the file, okay? Message me, I'll send that to you and your remedy. Once you got a handful of cease and desist, it might be time to think about looking for an escalated monetary award, okay? Uh, so shop stewards, do your homework. Get you a good template of your own. Uh, if you want this template, reach out to me. I'll get it to you. But then add to it, okay? What's been going on in your in your city, in your station? What's been going on? Why are we asking for an escalated monetary award? I hope this has helped y'all. It's been two episodes on pretty much the same thing, an escalated monetary award. But, you know, we, we have new panels. And so we want to make sure when an arbitrator looks at it, why are we asking for him to, to write a check from the post office to us. Why are we asking him to do that? And what gives him the authority to do that? Look at those Lake Charles decisions. Again, read them. Read them and read them. The arguments in there are fantastic. AJ's a, a masterful non-compliance steward. Uh, I put him up against anybody. Look at the decisions, what the arbitrators say, where they're going, okay? And those will help you more than anything. Reading uh, arbitrators' decisions, what they feel, what they see, what they're using, their reasoning, all right? So this is my episode, the last one on escalated monetary awards. I hope it's helped you and not confused you, all right? Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. Next week, I'm going to be humping, man. I've got training, and then I have an arbitration uh, the next Tuesday, uh, and then the next week, and I think the next week. But I'm, I'm going to do an episode. I'm going to try to do it next Sunday. Uh, I've got uh, JB's going to be here. We're going to be working over this arbitration. It's a joint statement case he did in a, in a station here in, the, in our district. Um, but I'm going to try to do an episode. I don't know what it'll be on, but I'll do something if it's wrong. All right. Hey, I appreciate y'all listening to this podcast. I do. I see a lot of comments about it. Yeah. I appreciate that more than, you know, I do. I hope it's helping. I hope it's helping you. I do. Uh, and I'm going to keep on as long as you're listening. We'll make up something. <laughs> y'all have a fantastic rest of the day. It's 11 o'clock at night and I'm sleepy. So y'all take care of yourselves. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye.